Well, we're in a new month. Oh my gosh, it's already a new month. We're in the month of March and a new theme. We have a new monthly theme. You know, remember, I get these themes from the Science of Mind magazine, right? Whatever their theme is for the month, that's what we use. Um, So this way, you get the magazine at home or you subscribe to it or whatever, or we'll subscribe for you. (laughs) You need to get the magazine. And it has lots of articles and other things of interest that are, are about the theme. So it's, see, it's all together. We're all one. It's lovely. Anyway, welcome to the month of March and our new March theme, Integrity. Hmm. The hell does that mean? <laughs> you know, some of these themes for the month really drive me to prayer, you know? Really deep in it. Really deep in it. Demonstrate integral integrity. Or demonstrate integral integrity. (laughs) If you want to put the emphasis on the other syllable. Anyway. Demonstrate to clearly show the existence of truth. Giving proof or evidence. Integral. That which is necessary to make the whole complete, essential, or fundamental. And integrity, firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values, the quality or state of being complete and undivided. So I think this month's theme is speaking to our demonstrating that we have all the elements within us, right? We are everything that God is in form, that we have all of the elements within us to live the highest version of that spirit has for our life. We say all the time here at Vision, right, we're whole, perfect, and complete, right? We say this, we are whole, perfect, and complete, meaning we have everything within us that we need to, to live a fully self-actualized life. When we say perfect, it doesn't necessarily mean flawless. I mean, some of us can exhibit unskilled behavior sometime, not any of us, you know, but, but sometimes some people can. But we're not talking perfect meaning flawless. We're talking perfect meaning containing everything, missing nothing, lacking nothing, like a perfect equation, a perfect recipe. It has all the ingredients, right? We are whole, perfect, and complete. We contain all of the parts to exist and to demonstrate at the highest level. We are capable of demonstrating everything that spirit is and to demonstrate it uniquely because we are unique. We are unique individualizations of this one life, this one power, this one presence. So we get to express all of spirit, all of the life of spirit our own way. And each one of us does that uniquely and differently. And so I thought a good, a good way to start talking about uh, the theme for this month was to go back over the book, The Four Agreements, right? The Four Agreements. That's a great place to talk about being in integrity. So um, it's also a good how-to book for up-leveling, I think, for up-leveling our personal uh, abilities and, and challenges around demonstrating integrity. So I decided to do a daytime book study, if you're interested... 11 o'clock Wednesdays here. We'll do 11 to 1 like a lunchtime book study. If you're into it, come on down and see us. Okay. And we have the book in the bookstore. So grab the book Wednesday at 11. I'll see you here. Anyway, we make agreements all the time, don't we? We make agreements all the time, you know? And then, and then we have to question in how, how much do we stay in integrity 
with those agreements that we make. You know, at the global level, like we make agreements at the global level, don't we? Now, we've all agreed what the red light means. That's a global agreement, right? We have all agreed what the red light means. We've all agreed what the green light means. Now, the yellow light, there is, <laughs> there's some question about what the yellow light means, okay? Um, not so sure. Speed up, slow down, not really too sure. I see, it, I see it interpreted many different ways on the roads. But I don't know that we have an agreement definitely on the yellow. But anyway, but you see what I'm saying, that, that we have these, some of these things are global agreements. We globally, we understand what the siren means, right? Doesn't matter what it sounds like, right? It's whoop, 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 whatever. We understand that there is an emergency vehicle coming up, you know, behind us or alongside us. We have this global agreement, on what that means, right? And we have, we have other agreements that are maybe not so global, right? There are, there are agreements that are, that are unique to the country. We drive on the right side of the street. Common, but not universal. Right? Some people drive on the left side of the street. Some countries drive wherever they went, you know? In the middle of the street, wherever there's room. It just depends. And then we make agreements at the state level. Towns, boroughs, right? All those local ordinances. We make agreements all the time. When I was growing up in New York City, you could not buy alcohol on a Sunday. Right? You remember? Anybody in New York? You remember, right? Man, Saturday night was a big night for the old Bevmo. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. We could, not buy, we could not buy alcohol. Now, there are states that are entirely dry. There were states, right, that you, you had to cross over the border into the next state even to buy alcohol. They never sold alcohol. I read a story about the, uh, the airline industry. The airline industry in 1950 would have to take the alcohol away from you if they served it to you in the airplane. They would take it away if they flew over a dry state because apparently states' rights extended up into the airspace. <laughs> Go figure. But it was true. It was true, absolutely. So we make agreements with, on all kinds of levels, and we make agreements with our families of origin, don't we? As we're growing up, we, we make agreements with our family of origin. What is polite? What is the right thing to do? What, do our, you know, what does our family do as opposed to someone else's family? What we're allowed to talk about in company and what we're not. Did anybody get the mom look? Did you ever get the mom look when you start talking about something and mother goes, you know, with this face, it's like, you know, we don't talk about that. You know, some families don't talk about politics or religion. Some people, you know, families, things were off limits. Don't talk about Aunt Sally and her 27 cats, you know. Just don't let anybody know about, you know, Uncle So-and-so. We have those familial agreements. What is allowed to be talked about? What is off limits? Those unspoke, unspoken things, those unspoken agreements that are forced upon you sometimes. <laughs> you know? And so as we grow up, we learn to demonstrate on a personal level, right? Our, which is our own personal integrity with the agreements we make and also with those agreements that were forced upon us. We demonstrate our own personal integrity with those agreements when we say, I'll be there at nine, right? And we're there at nine. When we say, I'll call you back, and you call them back. Or when we say, I'll do that for you, or I'll, I'll, I'll pick that up for you, or I'll take you, or, I'll, or I'm on my way. All of those kinds of things, they're all agreements 
that we're making with the people around us. When we say it and then we do it, right, we're demonstrating a level of integrity, our own standard, our own adherence to a value. We are being as good as our word. That's, that's what this is about, right? And that is the first agreement in the book, the four agreements, right? The first agreement is be impeccable with your word. Impeccable means be without sin, which I thought was hilarious. But anyway, be impeccable with your word. Do what you say you're going to do if you say you're going to do it. And, you know, we know from this faith tradition that our word is our power. Right? When we speak our word, it is our power. So we want to be very clear about that word. We want to be in integrity with that word. We want to say what we mean with our word because our word has power. We know this. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, let us know that our word does not return to us void. It is the instrument through which the presence and the power of God act. Let us honor our word. Believe in it and have complete confidence in its manifestation through divine action. That's some powerful stuff. Our word moves mountains. That is powerful stuff. And and, and Don Miguel Ruiz in the book, The Four Agreements, is, of course, on the same page as us, as this philosophy, when he says the word is like the seed and the human mind is so fertile. Mm. And you've heard that in, in Science of Mind. Ernest Holmes always referred to the seed, the soil, and the plant, right? As far as the divine creative principle at work in our lives. We plant seeds all the time. And again, in The Course in Miracles, it says there's no such thing as idle thoughts. Things that create your entire context experience of reality can hardly be considered idle. So our, our thoughts... That, that become our words, become our life. You know, those thoughts and those words that we keep saying over and over and over again, they become those predominant things in our lives. Those are the ones that are most, out, most likely to outpicture as conditions. Those phrases we keep coming back to, those thoughts we keep having, whatever they are, for positive or negative, those, those set points we keep coming back to. That's our word. That's what normally tends to outpicture. Ernest Holmes in the Science of Mind textbook said this. He said, the word, hey, I just left the building. Okay, I'm back. Okay, the word gives form to the unformed. The greater the consciousness behind the word, the more power it will have. Just words without conviction have no power. Just conviction with no words will never stir latent energy. There must be a combination of the two to make the thing complete. So our word, in in the book, The Four Agreements, he says, our word sometimes is like a spell. I love that. Our word is like a magician's spell cast over our lives or cast over others or cast over our condition. Sounds kind of creepy, doesn't it? (laughs) Not like we're trying to be witches or anything, but, but it sounds like power. It sounds like power, our word right? Think about it. We can, and we probably have, we can give our opinion of something and someone takes it on as truth. Doesn't that happen? Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of casting a spell, isn't it? In a way, right? We can give our opinion of something, someone absorbs it, and then that it can make or wreck their life. Does this outfit make my butt look big? 
Yeah, as a matter of fact, it does. Well, that's not helpful. <laughs> and it's not the truth, is it? It's an opinion. Just an opinion. Yet, sometimes when it ushers forth from our mouth, it has the power to inform the person for good or bad. Right? And then, and then particularly if they're children, they take it on. Ruiz tells a story in the book about a little girl singing, dancing, being what little girls are, you know, singing, dancing, letting her joy out. And mom comes home with a headache. She's just not into it. And she, and she kind of shuts the girl down with a snarky comment. But it crushes the girl's spirit. Mom just wanted quiet. And haven't we all had those experiences? She just wanted some quiet. But she went about it in such a way that she crushed the little girl's spirit and the little girl didn't stop singing. And you know, you know things like that have happened to you in your life. There have been times in your life that you were told something. Maybe it was even a throwaway line. Maybe it was a parent who was just irritated or had a headache or had a bad day or whatever. And we took it in and we made it a truth. And it changed maybe what we did. And, you know, you may have forgotten all about it, but it's still in there running, right? And now maybe you just remembered it right now just because I brought it up. Sorry. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, oh, my God, I haven't thought about that for 100 years. Yeah, that did. It changed what I did because I was, I was insulted or I was told I couldn't do something or whatever. You know, <laughs> I was one of those singing loud dancing kids, you know, when I was little. And my mother turned to me one day and she said, you can't even carry a tune in a bucket, and I went, oh, you know, it was like just one of those, oh, my gosh, you know. Now, I'm born and raised in New York, so it didn't stop me from singing, you know, clearly. I just didn't sing in front of her. <laughs> but, but the thing is, so it did change what I did. You, you see what I'm saying? You know, I'm, I am a great car singer. Anybody a car singer? I sing like crazy in the car, you know. Sometimes you'll see the little Prius C bouncing. I am playing air guitar as well. I am accompanying myself, Okay. <laughs> Fabulous stuff. It is fabulous stuff. Um, I, and I'm a shower singer, too. You know, I sing in the shower. And, and so clearly it did make an impression on me. Clearly it did. You know, I changed what I did. You know, one of these days I'm going to take singing lessons. Be prepared, James. <laughs> one of these days I will. And then I'll find out. If he shows up one of those lessons with a bucket, I'll know, right? <laughs> but anyway, it, sometimes it changes what, what we do. Those, that kind of input can change us. And so we have to understand what is truth and speak only truth, right? This whole idea of be impeccable with your word. You know, we're not, we're not here to use our word to shame people like that. You know, you can't sing worth the lick. Well, that was her opinion. Wasn't necessarily speaking the truth. You know, and there is this thing we do. We come into um, uh, spiritual philosophies like this, and then we start practicing what's called radical honesty. Has anybody ever done that to you? Okay. Not, again, not necessarily helpful, you know? It's like, what do you think of this dress? What do you think of this? That's ugly as whatever, right? That's ugly. Again, it's just an opinion. It is just an opinion. It's not truth, and it's not helpful necessarily, you know? But some of us do that. Some of us come into a teaching like this and they, they practice really what is called radical honesty when most of the time it is actually radical opinion. That's what it is. It's just radical opinion. What do you think of this dress? It's ugly. 
What's your opinion? Very often, this type of honesty is the subtlest form of assault that we do. You know, those little passive-aggressive games we can play with each other in the guise of being honest. You know, it may not be honest. It may be you're just really opinionated. You know? You've heard of the three-filter, right? The, the three-filter uh, practice for sharing anything. Is it, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Fabulous. You know, that is a great way before you respond to anything. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Great practice, good rule of thumb. Because what comes out of our mouths is either a blessing or a curse to those that, who it falls upon. We are forever blessing or cursing, right? That's the whole that part of the Bible I, I set before you this day, both a blessing and a curse. We have the ability to do that with our words. When we see conditions in someone's life, right? For example, a person living on the street or something. And we speak the words, oh, you poor thing. Oh, that poor pathetic guy. Oh, that miserable person. Oh, that horrible condition. Oh, you know, oh, 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 how pathetic. We're cursing them. That's actually the curse because it boxes them into the life that they are living. We are calling them that thing. And that becomes a way of life. You know, we're actually damning them to the experience that they're having by, by calling them their condition. When we could know the truth for them, right? We could know the truth for them. In the face of conditions, this is what we're taught to do. In the face of conditions, to know the wholeness of that person. To know that they are just as much spirit as we are. To know their essence is whole, perfect, and complete. That they are the strength and the health and the wholeness and the individualization of God in form right there on that street corner. Then we are blessing them. See the difference? Then we're absolutely sending them all of the love and all of the power and all of the energy for transformation. Be careful the energy we inflict upon others. We do that with our words. It is the energy that we can inflict upon each other. Jill Bolte-Taylor, she was an amazing um, neurosurgeon, and she had a stroke. And, and it was interesting because she could document the entire stroke while she was having it because she was a neurosurgeon. And so what she began to see with her, because it was the stroke happened on the left brain, she was, she was absolutely operating right-brained only. She could actually see energy around people. She could see their auras as they came into the room to help her, doctors and nurses and whatever. And she realized that people bring their own energy into the room with them for good or for bad. People that thought she would never recover, people that thought she was in terrible shape. Then there was other people that thought, how this, you know, this woman is strong and great and wonderful. And she could actually see that energy. And so she coined this phrase, and she made a plaque of it. She said, please take responsibility for the energy you bring into this space. Please take responsibility for the energy you bring into this space. And that is your beingness. And that's why it's so important to be impeccable with our words, to absolutely think about what it is we're trying to convey. You know, it's, <laughs> it's so difficult, isn't it, after all, to, to communicate with each other as it is. It's really difficult to communicate with each other and to understand what another person is saying because we're all using words, and words are just symbols of something else anyway. So it's already twice removed, and now you're, you're coming at it from your context, trying to 
convey what it is you think, and then the person you're talking to is, is taking it in according to their context. It's surprising we can talk to each other and understand each other at all. You know, <laughs> holy moly. You know, that idea of, you know, you may have thought you understood what you heard that I said, but what you don't understand is what you heard was not what I meant, you know. Words must be clear. And then throw texting in on top of that. Nobody can understand anybody, you know. It's just really very interesting. So it is important that we speak our truth. We speak our truth. It's important that we speak only truth. It is important that we, we, you know, it's important that we do it with ourselves even more so than out loud. It's more important to be impeccable with our words with ourself first. Look at looking at yourself with the eyes of love. Speak only words of truth to yourself. That is the most important place to start, isn't it? You know? Not speaking to yourself the opinions of the world, right? Yeah, my butt does look big in that shirt. Well, whatever, you know? Not the opinions of the world, but speaking truth to yourself, right? Because you know what? Sometimes we talk to ourselves in ways we would never talk to others. Never in a million years. I'm fat. (laughs) I'm fat. I need to lose weight. I'm ugly. Who would want to date this? You know, I got to lose weight. Jeez, I've got to earn more. You know what? I have to do more. Yeah, I have to be more. How many times have we said these things to ourselves? How many times do we speak to ourselves in ways we would never speak to anyone else? Right? We have to go back and learn to speak truth, speak only truth to ourselves. You are just so adorable and lovable. Right? How many times do you get in front of the mirror and say that? Oh, my God, you are just so cute and adorable. (sighs) Jeez. Ernest Holmes. Ernest Holmes used to tell uh, people when he spoke on on the platform, he used to tell people, go like this. Hug yourself. Go ahead. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Hug yourself. And he would say, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful me. Do that. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful me. Yeah. He's like, just make yourself feel good. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful me. Say it again. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful me. Absolutely. This is where we have to start. This is where we have to start. We must speak only truth to ourselves. We are beautiful. We are perfect. We are peaceful. We are abundant. We are joy. We are love. Oh, just think of all those qualities of God. We are that. We are whole. We are perfect. We are complete just as we are. We have to be as good as our word to ourselves, first and foremost. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, we speak into our words the intelligence which we are, backed by what greater intelligence of the universal mind. Our word becomes a law unto the thing for which it is spoken. There goes forth from this word the power of, of the infinite. There goes forth from this word the power of the infinite. Your word is the power to change your life. Your word is the power to change your conditions. We have to be so clear, so careful, so conscious of those words that we are using, 
Speak only truth. Speak only love. Be impeccable with your word. Thank you.